Dynasty IV, Snifru. After the founding of the fourth dynasty by Snifru, circa 2613 BC, more historical records and portraits of royalty have survived. Snifru married the previous king, Huni's daughter, Hetaferis, who was to find great fame as the mother of Khufu. Manetho says that the dynasty consisted of 17 kings of Memphis who reigned for a total of 448 years. The kings of the third dynasty were also Memphite, but it is specifically said of the fourth dynasty that although of Memphis, they were of a different royal line. It would appear that Snifru's marriage to Huni's daughter brought the two lines together, but it was a sufficient break in Manetho's eyes to, con- to constitute a new dynasty. He identifies the first king as Sorus, or Snifru, who reigned for 29 years, although present opinion is more in favor of about 24 years. Snifru was a son of Huni, probably by a minor wife called Marisonk. By marrying head of fairies, who presumably carried the royal blood as the daughter of a more senior queen, he consolidated his claim to the throne. Snifru was probably, therefore, head of fairies' half-brother, Huni is the last king of the third dynasty in both the royal canon of Turin and the later Sicarilis. There are records, principally from the Palermo Stone, of Snifru's expeditions beyond the boundaries of Egypt, to the Lebanon to fetch the great cedar logs needed for temple doors and great ships, and to Sinai for turquoise. Although there is evidence as early as the first dynasty of expeditions to Sinai, Snifru seems to become particularly associated with that area and was worshipped there as a god according to the much later inscriptions left in the Wadi Magara. Snifru also appeared on two contemporary reliefs near each other in the Wadi, here given his full titles and noted as Smiter of Barbarians. He is shown in the already age-old attitude of doing just this. Snifru moved the royal burial ground yet again, not back to Memphis, as might perhaps have been expected, but to a new site at Dashur, 28 miles north of Medum. What governed the choice is not known, but he built two pyramids for himself there, and several kings of the later 12th dynasty were to follow his choice of site. The Two Pyramids of Snifru Scholars have long debated which of Snifru's two pyramids at Dashur was the earliest. The current consensus seems to find in favor of the Southern Pyramid, variously called the Bent, Blunt, or Rhomboidal Pyramid because of its curious shape. This pyramid was associated with Snifru in the Old Kingdom, since a 5th dynasty inscription identifies an official as Overseer of the South Pyramid of Snifru. This explanation for the strange shape of the Bent Pyramid has been much argued. The German Egyptologist Ludwig Barchart suggested in his accretion theory that the king died suddenly and the pyramid's angle had to be radically reduced from 54 degrees of the lower courses to the 43 degrees of the upper courses in order to finish the work off rapidly. 
This reduction, however, actually makes little difference to the volume of the structure and therefore the amount of work involved. Attitude, which we now know that it was built before the Northern Pyramid, Kurt Mendelssohn proposed alternatively that the Pyramid at Maidum and the Southern Pyramid at Dashur were being built consecutively, concurrently, not consecutively, and that a building disaster occurred at Maidum, possibly after heavy rain when the casing slipped, which caused the architect at Dashur hurriedly to change the angle of the pyramid while it was half-built. This theory is only acceptable if the collapse took place at the time of building and not later during the New Kingdom, as some evidence suggests. The Bent Pyramid is unique amongst Old Kingdom pyramids in not having an entrance on its north face, as is the norm, but also a second entrance that opens high up on the west face. The north entrance, about 40 feet above ground level, gives onto a sloping corridor that descends to two high corbel roof chambers cut into the bedrock. From the upper of these two chambers, via a shaft and a passageway, another smaller chamber is reached, which also has a corbelled roof. This third chamber, with its unusual access corridor from the west face, was only discovered in 1946-47. The rationale for having entrances on the north face of all the known Old Kingdom pyramids has a religious basis and is connected with the northern stars. Why there should be this one instance of a second western entrance is a mystery. Like Maidum and the northern pyramid at Dashur, there was no trace of a sarcophagus ever having been placed in any of the chambers. Sneefer's name has been found in red paint in two places in the Bent Pyramid, and his association with the building was substantiated by the discovery of a stella, the remaining one of two, of the king inside a smaller pyramid within the enclosure. The valley building associated with the pyramid was excavated in 1951-52 and produced evidence of having been decorated with reliefs of superb style and finish, but sadly all have been badly smashed and wrecked in antiquity. There have also been the statues of the king set into recesses, possibly forerunners of the series of freestanding statues that existed in the valley temple of Khafre at Giza. The northern, or red, pyramid at Dashur is the first true pyramid, although the angle of its sides is slight, only 43 degrees, as against the later norm of 51 degrees, and takes its color from its stonework in the evening sun. Entrance is via a sloping passageway on the north side, which is located several feet above ground level. Once it descends to three consecutive chambers, all now rubble-filled and inaccessible. This pyramid has been attributed to Snefru on the basis of some casing blocks which bear his name in red ink, and an inscription said to have been discovered nearby early this century. The latter is a decree of Pepi I of the 6th dynasty, remitting taxes due from the priest of the two pyramids of Snefru. It was probably in this northern 
pyramid that the king was buried. His wife, Hedda Fairies, had her original tomb nearby. With such an obvious command of resources and manpower to be able to build two pyramids for himself and complete a third for his predecessor, Snufru had clearly consolidated the kingdom to such an extent that he was able to leave a strong inheritance to his son, Khufu, or Manetho's Cheops. Khufu was to take his father's achievements even further to the very apogee of pyramid building on the Giza Plateau. Khufu. The ancient authors through whom Manetho's work survived will all agree that the third king of the fourth dynasty was Sufis, the builder of the Great Pyramid, which Herodotus says was built by Cheops. Sufis conceived a contempt for the gods, but repented of this, he composed the sacred books which the Egyptians hold in high esteem. Sufis is better known by the Greek form of Cheops and the Egyptian form of Khufu. It is curious that Khufu should be placed third in line, where do not appear to be any other records of any other intervening pharaoh between him and his father Snefru. The reference to this composing sacred books is intriguing. These do not seem to have survived in later literature, although Khufu's character was severely blackened by later chroniclers and strongly contrasted with the lives of his ancestors, Khafre and Menkare. Like his father, Khufu probably reigned for about 23 or 24 years, and he, t- he too seems to have initiated military expeditions to the Sinai Peninsula. Rock inscriptions in the Wadi Megara regard- record the presence of his troops in this region, no doubt for the sole purposes, the dual purposes of keeping the Bedouin in check and exploiting the turquoise deposits here. A now very faint inscription and a large boulder on the island of Elephantine at Aswan also indicates that the king had interest in the far south of the country, quarrying the fine Aswan red granite. The Great Pyramid of Khufu Khufu's greatest achievement was the creation of a monument that was to be recognized as the first of the seven wonders of the ancient world and the only one now standing, the Great Pyramid on the Giza Plateau. Originally 481 feet high, having lost its top of 30 feet, it was until the 19th century AD the tallest man-made building in the world a proud record held by an ancient Egyptian architect for four and a half thousand years. It is not known why Khufu should have turned away from the site of his father's burial at Dashur, or indeed that his predecessors at Saqqara. Suffice it to say that he, and that he, chose a stretch on the Giza Plateau to the southwest of modern Cairo. His work appears to have been the first on the site and it is curious that he did not choose the highest point of the plateau for his pyramid. This area was taken by his successor, but one Khafre, and was to produce the optical illusion that his pyramid is therefore taller than Khufu's, which it is not. Khufu channeled all his efforts into the creation of a single monument, 
rather than several different pyramids. Like its predecessors, the Great Pyramid underwent several changes in its internal arrangement, but its external structure and dimensions appear to have been set from the start. The chief of works is thought to have been Khufu's cousin, Himan, of whom a powerful seated statue was discovered in his Mastaba tomb close to his masterpiece. For all its magnificence, the Great Pyramid is still a puzzle. Herodotus was quoted some apocryphal figures by the priests. It took ten years to build the causeway from the valley temple to the mortuary temple, twenty years to build the pyramid itself, and the whole cost was in the region of 16,000 silver talents, according to an inscription pointed out to him on the side, or just over 7.5 million at present scrap silver prices. Moreover, we do not know exactly how it was built. Theories about this vary, from the use of a long ramp stretching out into the desert, which was continually lengthened and heightened, as the pyramid rose higher, to a ramp that rose as it wound around the pyramid face, following each course upwards. Neither is very satisfactory, and each is rather impractical in one way or another. Herodotus said that the structure had been built as a series of terraces, raising blocks on all four sides simultaneously, with the use of contrivances made of short timbers. This approach was tested with some success by the late Peter Hodges, a master builder, using short lengths of timber with a metal shod foot, and it is certainly more convincing than the other theories. The internal layout indicates at least two changes in plan during construction. Initially, there was to have been a burial chamber deep beneath the surface of the plateau. This plan was then altered to incorporate instead a small chamber now erroneously known as the Queen's Chamber, and unfinished, within the pyramid bulk and about 50 feet above ground level. Exploration in 1993 by a small robot remote control camera up the south air tunnel from the Queen's Chamber has revealed a small door secured by metal bolts. There is no question of access because the door is so tiny the tunnel being only eight inches square. The results of further investigation are eagerly awaited. The final change was for the construction of the magnificent Grand Gallery, 28 feet high and closed by a corbelled roof, which led upwards to a horizontal passage that entered the King's Chamber in the heart of the pyramid. Here, at the west end of the chamber, was placed a large granite sarcophagus, cut from a single block of Aswan granite. The sarcophagus must have been put together in position before the chamber was roofed by nine flat slabs of granite, each with an average weight of almost 45 tons. Because it is at about an inch too wide to pass through the entrance of the ascending corridor, an early example of built-in furniture. The exterior of the pyramid was cased with shining white Tura limestone, which was laid, at Herodot as Herodotus rightly said, from the top downwards. This was largely robbed in the Middle Ages to build medi medieval Cairo. Of the great limestone mortuary temple that stood before the pyramid's east face, 
Nothing now remains except its black basalt floor. The valley temple that stood at the foot of the pyramid causeway has disappeared under the Arab village, although part of it were observed in 1991 when new sewerage was being laid. Around the Great Pyramid, principally on the west side, were located the tombs of the courtiers, who hoped to serve their king in death just as they had in life. On the east side are three subsidiary pyramids of Khufu's queens. Legend has it, as recounted by Herodotus, that the central pyramid, 150 feet square, was a product of the enterprise of one of Khufu's daughters, whom he had placed in a brothel in order to raise more revenue for building the Great Pyramid. In addition to payment, the princess also asked each of her clients for a block of stone, which she used to build her own pyramid. Needless to say, there is no evidence to confirm the story, although the pyramid does appear to be that of a half-sister of Khufu. The first pyramid probably belonged to his full sister-wife, and the third to another half-sister, Queen Henetson. Two remarkable discoveries related to Khufu have been made in the vicinity of his pyramid. The first, around 1925, on the east side, close to the causeway, was the tomb of his mother, Queen Hedeferis. And the second, uncovered in 1954, close to the south face, was that of an intact wooden ship. The Royal Ship of Khufu. During the clearance work close to the south side of the Great Pyramid in May 1954, Kamal el Malak found a series of 41 large blocking stones with an average weight of 18 tons each, which had hermetically sealed a 101 foot long rock cut pit. Within it were the remains of a magnificent 141 foot long ship of cedar wood. Too long for the pit intended for it. It had been carefully dismantled into 650 parts comprising of comprising 1224 pieces. After many years of patient restoration work, the ship was presented to the world in March 1982 in a specially designed museum which incorporated the pit in which it had been laying for 45,000 years. Not all the problems posed in conserving the ship had been solved by the Egyptian Antiquities Organization. Until they are, the opening of the second sealed pit discovered near the first wall will be postponed. Recent tests have indicated that it also contains a ship, but not in such good condition. It is a remarkable quirk of fate that for all the grandeur of Khufu's pyramid, his funeral boat, and the splendid style of his mother's funerary furnishings, there remains only one tiny portrait of the king himself, found by Flinders Petrie in the old, king, old temple of Osiris at Abydos in 1903. In a curious inverse ratio, we find that the small statue represents the builder of the greatest pyramid, while some of the finest multiple statues extant from the Old Kingdom represent the builder of the smallest of the Giza pyramids, Menkare.